Is that a ca- card game called Who is the Biggest Slut? Yes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And then I have a board game called Lust, which is supposed to be for, like, a sexy night in. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, Awakening has some kind of board game like that called Come As You Aren't. <laughs> and it's all, like, role-playing prompts. Yep. Um, <laughs> sounds very cute. And then I have a deck of cards that's just, like, sex position of the day. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to Uncensored with the, (laughs) is that the name of my fucking podcast? I just almost said the wrong name again. (laughs) We're going to start that over. All right. Hello and welcome to Uncensored with the Pint Size Sexologist. I am Nat Higgins, your host extraordinaire. I have a, a master's of education in human sexuality studies and it's largely just a piece of paper that hangs on my wall but I do a podcast about it so yeah this is a podcast where uh we talk about how sex ed impacts people as adults yeah my cat's digging at the door so if you hear any weird noises I'm not editing them out because I edit this myself speaking of doing things myself I have a (laughs) I have a patreon uh, so you can go to patreon.com slash uncensoredpod if you want to start throwing money at me so I can hire somebody else to do the editing instead of me. So you want better sound quality? Pay me to do it. Yeah. Uh, but we have a very special guest today, so we're going to be talking about something slightly different than we normally do. It's very, very exciting. I have Like a Fox with me today. Yay. And, and Laika is, uh, we're going to talk to them about some stuff that they've done and created and uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna be fun so hello Laika hello welcome to Uncensored the nonsense podcast um (laughs) good tagline uh so yeah uh is there uh, tell me about yourself literally what qualifies you to be a human being (laughs) <laughs> I'm springing this question on you last second. I did not brief you on this at all. What qualifies me to be a human being? Um, uh, breath in my lungs and blood in my veins? Question okay. mark? Cool. Adequate <laughs> answer. Yeah. I'll accept it. Who am I to say what the um, fuck qualifies you to be a human? Just being a monkey with anxiety? I think that yeah. also qualifies me. Yeah. <laughs> or an ape. Not a monkey. An ape. Which, uh, at this point, I feel like I... Don't we have, like, more in common DNA-wise with, like, a banana than, like, certain other species or something like that? I don't know. That was probably clickbait that I fell for. We've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) I fell for clickbait a lot. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. Uh, So, so Laika has uh, created this thing called a zine. Yes, they still exist, A lot of people thought that that was something that has died out. It hasn't. It is alive and well. (laughs) And uh, Laika is here to tell us about their zine. So um, can you tell me what your zine is about? Yes. Um, I created a zine that is all about desire and how to listen to your body for hints and clues about what your 
sexual desires are. Which is uh, amazing. Um, I, I've read it, so I, <laughs> I know it, it puts things together, like, really, really concisely, but not in an oversimplified way, which is great. Um, but I think that that's a thing, like, as a person who's a sex educator who works with adults, like, that's the most common question is, like, how, like, I don't know what I want. How do I know? Yep. What I want. And, like, I have trouble answering that sometimes because, like, I still struggle with that. Even as a sex educator. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. Pizza? Like, yeah. that's not quite the answer you were looking for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we are asked that not often enough. And we don't ask ourselves that often enough either. And then we're caught uh, unawares. Like, when I asked you what qualifies you to be a human being. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you for a tumble. Like, you know the answer. Yeah. But it's it's not in your brain at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, living, unfortunately, still under capitalism, we live in a world where we are told that we have options and choice in this world. Uh, well, we know certain choices are actively being taken away from us at this yeah. moment. But that's a thing. That's a whole other topic. Um But, yeah, we're often told that we have a lot of, you know, options, but usually we're just choosing between the options that are presented in front of us. So knowing what we actually want is uh, hard to get to sometimes. Yes. It's like showing up at a buffet and not realizing that there are many, many buffets that you can go to. And not just this golden (laughs) corral. (laughs) Yeah. Like, would you like this combination of gluten and dairy, or would you like this combination of gluten and dairy? This one has tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) This one comes with a roll, and you will have to fight everybody else in line who's... Never mind, this is getting off the rails. Okay. (laughs) Metaphors are hard. Metaphors are hard. We're we're getting back on track. Um, But yeah, so uh, what led you to, like, create this scene in the first place? Like, why did you find it so important to put down, put, well, I wouldn't say pen to paper, but it's on, it's on the computer, so. Fingers fingers to to keyboard. (laughs) Just the word fingers just sounds dirty. Digits? I mean, yeah. Digits to keys. No, not in a bad way, just to be clear. Um, (laughs) What made you finger your keyboard, Like a (laughs) Well, um, so. I took a really fascinating class um, this past semester about um, somatics and injury prevention in dance. Um, So different, different um, area of study at, at, shout out to MSU Denver, best school ever. Um, So I took this great class and it was all about how to listen to your body. um, And, you know, like I said, it was about somatics and injury prevention and... I found that really fascinating because as a person who's been dancing my entire life, so much of the dance world, very similar to how we are taught sex education and how we discover our sexualities, is about how you look and how you fit into a particular mold and Mm -hmm. all of these sorts of things. And so this class really blew my mind um, because it was coming from this perspective of listening to how you feel and listening to what your body's limitations are and listening to that feedback, um, not just after you've 
passed a boundary or have, like, seriously injured yourself. Yeah. But, like, way, way before that. Um, and uh, we had a final project for this class, which was basically how would you apply the material that you've learned in this class to other things that you're passionate about? Um, sex ed is another big passion of mine in addition to dance and a million other things I do in my life. Um, and pretty early on in the class, I knew I wanted to make this, do a project about the intersections of somatic and sexual desire because um, similar to what I was describing for dance, I feel like um, we live in a society where we're taught so much about um, what we should want or what we should be fantasizing about or, you know, similar to the buffet conversation, yeah. you're, given it, you're given a lot of cultural tropes and norms around, like, particular desires, mostly of a heterosexual, monogamous uh, flavor. But yeah. even, like, within queer fantasy there's still so many tropes so yeah there's a lot and i feel like uh white also needs to be added to that list a lot of the time as far as thin thin like able-bodied young yes yeah there's there's a lot of uh very specific ideals Mm -hmm. that we are told we need to strive for or are ideal to begin with Mm -hmm. when um and it like it it doesn't serve anybody no it's actively harmful in fact yes it is actively (laughs) harmful and even the people who do happen to fall within that ideal like they might not be getting shunned by society but they're still like having to live within this restrictive framework mm-hmm. of like must stay within this tiny box. Yep. Um so even the people that it benefits in some ways it's harming in others. Mm-hmm. Like so it's it's just not good. <laughs> At all. Um so yeah, so you you talk about uh somatics and desire. So we'll get into what somatics are uh in in a minute, but like what does desire mean to you? So desire to me is about, well, literally it's like listening to what you want, but beyond that, it's really trusting your instincts and learning to, yeah, trust your instincts and then also having agency, meaning like the power to seek out the things that you want yeah. and autonomy, which I would define as um, not just the ability to do something, but having like the context in which to do that safely. Yeah. Um, and so desire to me is about like having those things as a foundation, knowing that you have them, trusting them, and then having the resilience to go out and actually ask for that either just from yourself or you know with a sexual partner or someone you have a Mm -hmm. crush on or whatever from the world i really like that you say that there's a foundation to it because i feel like that gives so much room for um i don't want to see trial and error so much but like exploration on whether or not it's like oh i think i want this and then you get there and you're like ah yeah 
Back to back to the roots, back to the foundation. Glad like, I tried. Start over. <laughs> Just going back. We back to home base. Miscalculated <laughs> a little bit. Let's go back to what I originally was thinking, and then try again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can you can backtrack back to basics uh, with that definition, which is really cool. Um, yeah, and seeking out things that you desire is scary. And I talk about this a bit in the zine that it's scary because you don't know what's out there, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to go off of, you know, something you had like a dream or a daydream about that you're like, this might be weird or someone might mm-hmm. say no, or I might get harmed or I might cause harm or, you know, there's a lot of risks and just asking for things is vulnerable. It's much easier when people ask you for things and you just decide if you want to say yes or no. Yeah. The vulnerability that goes with that, especially since, like, yeah, you're living in a society that has limited the amount of options that it is placed in front of you. And then you might have discovered some things outside of that, but the person that you're asking hasn't necessarily. So, Mm -hmm. like, you're also placing, like, you being comfortable expressing your desires and your wants and talking about your fantasies is then being, like placed into the hands of another person yep. that may or may not have developed all of these foundations for themselves. <laughs> they have their own lived experience. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, within the same fucked up buffet. Um, or maybe they came from a different buffet and some things that are really mundane to you. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is a thing that everybody does with their desire. Like, this is a very common desire in my little bubble. Right. And then you go to a different community and they're like, excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, uh, it's a very vulnerable position mm-hmm. to put yourself in. And I think, like, a lot of people are scared to admit to themselves even what they're into. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, yeah. Even just not, even if you're taking sex off the table, but like desire with other things, like I know people who are scared to voice where they want to go to dinner with a group of friends because they're afraid that the other friends in the group aren't craving Mexican food. Right. Or sushi or whatever. Or, you know, you forgot that one of your friends doesn't eat lettuce and you suggest going to a salad restaurant and you are afraid you're going to offend them by suggesting that because you didn't you know it comes from a good place Mm -hmm. of like wanting to care for everyone involved but yeah everyone's every yeah and like other people like have the agency to say no but then we all have our own insecurities and anxieties of like saying no to other people's Things and are like, mm-hmm. maybe you just want to go to Olive Garden and you're afraid that all of your friends are going to make fun of you because you want to go to Olive Garden and it's so basic or whatever. But, like, yeah. you know what? Sometimes you just need some goddamn breadsticks. I often need breadsticks. <laughs> I love breadsticks. I love, life. well, I loved their breadsticks more in the 90s, but mm-hmm. they, they were fluffier. Something yeah. about the recipe changed. I don't know. It was sad, but. The, the breadstick analogy still stands. Yes. Yeah. I think that we found a solid metaphor on this one. Yeah. And even with the, you know, the things that are, like, quote-unquote normal, like, things are tropes for a reason. And I, sometimes I find myself feeling, like, shame for wanting something, like, 
like wanting to have sex in the missionary position. I'm just like, that is what sounds good to me right now. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, is this not kinky enough of a request to make of someone? That happens. Like, there's just no limits to the things that we all feel shame about, even as, like, you know, attempting to be sexually liberated people. I think it's really, I think a lot of <laughs> sex educators actually run into this, um, where they are simultaneously, like, the kinkiest person that half of their friends know. Yeah. And the most vanilla person out of all of, like, their totally. sex ed friends. Yeah. And, like, because no matter how kinky you are as a sex educator, there's always, like, another sex educator that you know that is just, like, so much kinkier than you. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could be the the kinkiest person ever and then, like, meet another sex educator and be like, oh, my God, I am so vanilla. What is happening? Like, right. Yeah, a friend of mine has this saying where she's like, vanilla's just another flavor. It there's is. There's nothing wrong with vanilla. There Sometimes is nothing wrong with vanilla. vanilla. But, you know, there's a reason Baskin Robbins has, what, 36 flavors? 36, 37, something Sometimes like that. Sometimes you want options. Sometimes so. you want options. Also, you can dress up vanilla, too. You can put some, like, sprinkles and syrups and stuff on vanilla and, like, still get a variety of flavor without being Rocky Road ice cream. Right. We have so many food analogies yeah. today. <laughs> it's like maybe we're hungry or something. It is It is the afternoon and snack time. Um, <laughs> oh, I just remembered that I have some snacks, actually. And like, Also, full disclosure, we're going to get Mexican food after this. So yes. that is we'll where my Mexican food example came from. Make the rattly sound on the microphone, but I brought I can some just bunny edit, snacks. I can just edit it out. Or I won't, because it's funny. Do you like mm, a bunny snack? I love bunny snacks. Look, just I don't, had a desire for bunny snacks. Yes, just don't... I have three sticking to each other, so I guess I'm doing three. Just don't chew directly in the microphone because people don't like mouth sounds. Yeah, that's fair. That's a whole other podcast. Yep. No, this is not an ASMR podcast. <laughs> I have one listener specifically that I think would actually text me and be like, why do you hate me? Hi, Erica. <laughs> um, Luckily, this is a soft food. It's a soft food and we're far, th- far enough away if I was yeah. doing it myself. Although, to be fair, I do eat snacks while recording sometimes and people have yet to yell at me about it. So, um, but yeah, so in your, in your zine, you go through a lot of, uh, it, like sharing your own story, which is, I think, very impactful to start, um, just to give people an idea of like where you're coming from. Um, but, uh, then talks about some of the frameworks that already exist that we have to work with. So, like, you talk about rape culture a little bit, um, which I'm not going to go into because I feel like we could both go on for a very, very, very long time about that. Um, but being able to explore your desires helps dismantle rape culture because of the autonomy that... It's, it's very beautifully put. Um, <laughs> uh, but then also, the thing that I really, really love is that you go into the limitations of consent culture. And this is a thing that I think it's, it is controversial in some circles um, because most of the frameworks that were given were given because it's super compact. Yeah. It's neat. Um, and it's an I'll, acronym. Yes, there's an acronym. There's it's a it's a very neat and pretty box that you can hand to people and they will understand it. Um, so, like with the whole entire concept of consent culture, that you need to always receive enthusiastic consent. So it's like if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a fuck no. Is yeah. like a sentence that I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And while this is like a great starting point for a lot of conversations, it doesn't really allow for like the nuance of being a human and having variable levels of sex drive and desires and boundaries and Mm -hmm. like things like that. Um, Yep. And yeah, uh, like where it's like, okay, this isn't something, I think one of the examples that you give is like not wanting to do a particular thing, but it doesn't particularly like gross you out. It's just like not your fantasy. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's is a partner's fantasy. Enthusiastic? And you're like, mark? you're like, I don't know, it's not my favorite. It's it's like that, that sound, uh, the, oh, I can't remember who sings the song, but it's like, what's your favorite position? Okay, not my favorite, but I'll do it for you. Oh, yeah, Tenacious D. It is Tenacious D, yes. What's your favorite dish? I'm not going to cook it, but I'll order it from Zanzibar. Yes. yes. Like, it's that- a good line. Things like that, like tenacious D. Oh my God, bless Jack Black <laughs> for giving me a, a good line to use to for this line. example. But yeah, like that's not enthusiastic. But does that mean that it's outside of like? Does that mean that it's wrong? Does that mean that it's not no. good sex? Um, so yeah, like that. So, one of the books I um uh, that really inspired me. With some parts of the zine was um, the book Getting It by Allison Moon. Mm-hmm. Have you read that one? I haven't. Um, I need awesome. to add it to my library. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and Getting It is a, a I think the, t- the subtitle is A Healthy Guide. Oh, God. This is why I have my notes. I don't want to get it wrong. Do, 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 do. A Guide to Hot, Healthy Hookups and Shame-Free Sex. And it's a whole, like, literal guidebook of, like, how to hook up with people and how to be clear with yourself about what you're looking for in casual sex and, you know, how to combat any, like, shame that comes up with wanting it or not wanting it or wanting it sometimes or whatevs. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has a whole section in that book where she's talking about, yeah, all of this, all the reasons something might not be a fuck yes, Mm -hmm. and how to just be honest with yourself about where that's coming from, and, I mean, it's like you were talking about earlier of, like, um, oh, I just had a brain fart. What were you talking about, like, way earlier on? Oh, yeah, if you're like, I think I want this, but I'm gonna try it, and... If I don't like it or the other person doesn't like it, we will pause, reassess, adjust. Having to backpedal a little bit. Step back a little bit. It's it's fine, but it just all comes back to communication. Mm -hmm. And you you tried something. You admitted that you didn't like it. That's that's monumental for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, because there's I mean, there's the whole like tea consent analogy thing. That's like. You know, there's a lot of different parts to it, but one of them is, like, if you offer someone some tea and they have a sip and they're like, hmm, I was expecting something else. This isn't exactly what I want. You're not going to force them to drink the whole cup of tea. That's yeah. That's fucking ridiculous and rude. So, like, why would you force yourself to go through with something just because you suggested it and you've changed your mind? Yeah. And I think it also... This kind of ties back, this is a conversation we had before we started recording, so I'm going to have to fill the audience in, but we had a little bit of a conversation about safe words earlier, too, and um, 
my my general go-to in situations in sex and otherwise is the red yellow green method um which i like because like green is like everything's good keep doing that sweet and like red is the like stop like this needs to come to a halt right now and like i like it because the yellow adds so much room for uh investigation kind of because like yellow is like i don't like what's happening right now we might just need to adjust yeah or it's like i don't want this to stop like you haven't taken me out of it i'm not feeling like in danger or anything like that it's just not quite what i'm wanting so if we can just like Restart with something slightly different or... Yeah. Or I complete. need a pillow under my hip. Yeah, it's like it could be a small adjustment or it could be a just, like, let's evaluate what we actually want to be doing right now. Um, so, like, that could be just, like, I need to switch positions because my hip popped out. Like, I cannot yeah. be in this position anymore. Like, yeah. my quads are killing me. Yeah. Please. <laughs> or, like, I like that you're grabbing my throat, just don't press on my Adam's apple. <laughs> yes, like, please, you blood choke, not yeah. an air choke. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that that's a thing that a lot of people aren't aware that they can do. Like, they yeah. think that if it's not a hard stop, then they can't say anything. And that's a form of expressing it a desire, right? Yeah. It's like, I am still enjoying what is happening generally. Like, I want to continue on this path. But my desire in this moment is to make this adjustment. And yeah. then you're, you know, it's like improv games. It's like a yes and. Yes. And that gives a lot, like, but I feel like so many people think that if they ask for an adjustment, it's the equivalent of saying, like, stop, I don't like this. Yep. And that's not what it is. Yep. Like, sometimes just the angle's wrong or, like, the intensity is wrong or there's a weird random light coming through the window and it's hitting me right in the eyes and I just need to move to a different part like it can be so many like so many different things um or just like maybe you need a snack break or water water oh hydration so important underrated like water and snack breaks it's perfect yeah yes um but like Along with that, though, do you think that, like, society at large is really ready to be able to accept such a nuanced approach to desire when we have been being spoon-fed, like, a lot of very, very neat and tidy frameworks thus far? So, my take, and I I kind of talk about this, like through the lens of my own lived experience, because I, mean, I think as, it's important as, to do that do and not generalize. All, yeah. <laughs> um, so my take is that a lot of the conversations around consent culture right now are in response to rape culture, which is so awful that it feels like we have to almost like overcorrect mm-hmm. and be like, consent, it's not that hard to get people to just think about it like at all yeah um so that we can get to those nuanced conversations like i was just like watching have you seen grand army no on netflix it was only it was one of those shows that was like on for just one season and 
I thought it was really good. Just like another one season great show that was canceled. One hit wonder. So sad. Um, But it was about a bunch of kids in high school in New York City, like modern times. And um, there was a lot of, they captured a lot of these really great moments of like fuzziness where like uh, one character comes on to another character and the other character responds affirmatively let's say and then they start engaging in sexual activity and then the first character is like the energy kind of changes and is like not into it but then the uh, the second character is sort of on that like wave of like well you came on to me and so therefore everything is on the table and it's like whoa 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 no 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 so i feel like so much of rape culture is this like well, if you showed me attention, then therefore I should be able to have my way with you. Mm-hmm. That the whole concept of consent is like, hey, maybe you should just continue to be like feeling out the vibe with this other person. And maybe sex is more of a conversation and like constant negotiation and not just something you do to someone. Yeah. You, you like sex it, them. It's an interactive sport (laughs) right right exactly um and so that's that's what i struggle with in terms of like the limits of consent as i feel like so much of it is like i want to do this thing to you yes or no and i Mm. feel like you know all all people to varying extents are given this message but particularly people socialized as female and then that you know is exponentially multiplied for people with other intersecting forms of you know marginalization and oppression so women of color queer women like all these different aspects where we're just taught that you know again with like the buffet metaphor that like the only thing we actually have agency over is and and even that is a radical thought, is, like, the gatekeeping of our bodies. Yeah. Of, like, other people bring things to you, and you decide yes or no, and you hope that your no is respected. And that yeah. you're not shunned for it, you know? It, so, so the consent, and, like... And, it's a reactive right, exactly. process rather than proactive. Yeah, and even the whole, um, the history of even the... The language of consent, which um, my friends Leander and Stas write about in their really awesome zine, which I'm also going to refer, the Cultivate Consent Workbook, I learned from them that, like, the whole history of, like, consent comes from the um, medical industry, and giving medical consent is literally waiving your liability if a doctor fucks something up when they're working with you. So it's a whole, you know, it's, it comes back to this like legal thing. (laughs) Right. Which like, yeah, like you, you do want someone to have, um, accountability if they cause you harm. But then with this framework of like, oh, well you gave me consent as if it's like signing a piece of paper which it is not yeah it doesn't sexual circumstance. it doesn't transfer over from a medical right thing. so it's not you know and then you know people talk about and i and i feel this to a certain extent of this whole thing of like 
Can I touch your shoulder? Yes. Can I touch your face? Yes. Can I kiss you? Yes. Can I, you know, the awkwardness of like mm-hmm. constantly asking for consent. And so that's why um, I feel like this is where the, the somatics piece comes in, where it's like, well, how do we build a culture where people are more in tune to listening to their own bodies so that everyone involved in a se- sexual situation is coming to the table with that embodiment already with the tools that they can that they already need to be able to communicate clearly yeah in a way that doesn't have to be like almost dumbed down into this like binary yeah yes or no I feel like a lot of the pushback against consent culture is largely actually based in that um a lot of the time for a lot of the things that arguments that are used to uphold rape culture, even though the people who are arguing it are arguing that it's not rape culture, but, Mm -hmm. like, it's just like, well, what am I supposed to do? Ask every two seconds about everything? And to to people who are used to having nuanced conversations about this, like, you're like, well, no. Like, that's, of course you wouldn't do that. Like, but to somebody who doesn't have a framework to work with with it, they're like, well, yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like I need to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and there's this really awesome essay um, that that also, there was a lot of, like, stuff that went into my brain that, like, led to this output of the zine, but um, there's this great essay in this book called The Feminist Utopia Project that um, the essay is called Dispatches from a Post-Rape Future, mm-hmm. and the book is all these, like, stories and essays written from the perspective of, like, people in the future looking back on current times Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, my God, I can't believe they were so, like, unevolved and, like, that sort of thing. Oh, like, so how we talk about cavemen with clubs, like, hitting the female over the head and dragging him back to his cave, which is not what actually happened. Yeah. Thank you, Like, take an anthropology class (laughs) outside of, like, Western perspectives. But, yeah, and so they're kind of looking back and they're like, oh... I can't believe that, yeah, that consent was the only tool that they had. And they're they're talking about it from this perspective of, like, in this future world, people will be so empathetic and so tapped in and empowered that they won't even need language to negotiate. They'll just be able to sense, like, ah. I can't, uh, like, there's no way that I would um, do something to your body that you didn't also find pleasurable because I wouldn't find it pleasurable because like the brain chemicals are so aligned and I'm like I really this sounds like cone heads oh yeah like the the same as putting the hands together with the little wreaths yeah (laughs) I've totally forgotten about that that needs to make its way into my zine maybe um but yeah it's like you're just so tuned in that you know we're we're just like it's like a beyond consent yeah. world and I'm like I I get it I definitely see how that would be an ideal state to get to but before we even get there before you can even sense how someone else is doing like you need we need yourself. to yeah. listen to that in ourselves like I feel like I feel like so many people are just so dissociated from their own bodies and this is where the like I don't know what I want mm-hmm. thing comes from because it's like well, I don't know, like, do something to me and I'll tell you if it feels good or not. Or, yeah. You know, we don't have a source to start from. Yeah, I want you to know that you just provided the perfect segue 
You're welcome. Um, I was about to derail it with a different story, but I'm not going to because this that was just such a beautiful segue. So, <laughs> so getting back like in tune with your body and stuff like that um, is a great segue into you telling us what the fuck somatics are. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what the fuck are somatics? Let's see. Did I have an eloquent definition for this? I think I did. Okay. Somatics. Um, so the, it, so somatics is a lot of different things. Um, I really love the way that my teacher, Laura Malpass, um, defined it. Like on one of the first days of our class where she was like, somatics is a term that was coined by... Thomas Hanna in the 70s, this, like, white dude, uh, who, and it was this, like, radical concept of, like, maybe Descartes was fucking wrong, and our brains and our bodies are communicating in more ways, and they're, like, part of the same thing, like, radical idea. Wow. Um, which... You know, thanks, Descartes, for, like, literally nothing. Um, I mean, <laughs> we have several of those in this field of psychology, yeah. so... Yeah, that's true. Thanks for teaching us how not to do things. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, now the Western world and, like, white culture is, like, catching up with something that has never had this artificial split in many other cultures. Yeah. But so somatics is, like, this radical idea that, like, your body and your mind are intrinsically linked in many ways, conscious and unconscious, and that we need to spend more time, like, being like, brain, thank you for working so hard. You need to take a day off. I'm going to just, like, tap into my body a little bit. Um, well, it, it sounds like it's the idea that the body has wisdom, too. It's not like yes. that your your brain is not the seat of all wisdom, is what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And kind of getting out of our, like, hyper-intellectualized and even not, uh, not even, like, intellectual wisdom, but we just, that our body has wisdom, that our body has, um, memories, um, like, The Body Keeps Score is a great book mm -hmm. talking about oh, all of that kind oh, of stuff, um, and not just of, um, trauma, I mean, I think there's a lot of really great conversations happening about, you know, how uh, our bodies hold on to trauma and stress and all of that kind of stuff, but our body has a lot of wisdom about what we do want and what we do like. Yeah. And, you know, breaking out of the, like, Christian, puritanical, like, your body is an inherently sin sinful, you know, yes. framework. I mean, to be fair, I personally am just, I've, I've just accepted that uh, at some level, because I was a church camp kid i'm i'm just gonna continue being okay with my body being sinful that's just it's a niche right. now <laughs> right and you've reclaimed it too it's mine right? now yeah. these are my sins yeah you exactly. can't have them and i think and, that's a very common trope going yeah. back to a previous conversation it's like well there's some, there's a reason we like love reclaiming those things oh, yeah. in like a sexy way because it's, it's like oh this hurts so good or whatever. yeah yeah well because now it's on my terms so yeah. yeah no I don't actually think that my body is simple it's just really fun to it it gives my brain the fuzzies yeah the warm and fuzzies when I'm like hey hey my body's sinful there's nothing you can do and about I it I like it um <laughs> but also I I think that you you said something really important too that like 
this is an idea that like the brain and intellect is just like so important that's like a purely like white quote unquote western yeah idea but that hasn't even been that's that's relatively new as far as yeah. like the span of human beings like the heart was considered to be the center of all wisdom for a really long time oh interesting as well like the brain it wasn't until people started like actually doing dissections and being like oh there's some mush yeah in this person's skull like no when i poke this thing this thing happened yeah like it wasn't like the brain wasn't really considered to be that important until like the nervous system was discovered Mm -hmm. like so it just doesn't like it yeah yeah we like thinking that we are very very progressive yeah (laughs) and evolved but we are not yeah at all um so, like, what are some, some ways that people can use uh, somatics, then, to tap into their desire? Well, that's a great question, Nat, because I actually have exercises on how to do this in my Yay! zine. So it's like a zine slash workbook, because, um, like all good research, this project left me with more questions than answers. Um so yeah, in the workbook, I have both like a lot of resources, because um, I think about it in two ways. Like one is what um, what desires are coming from the inside out. Like I mentioned, like you had a dream about something or you had a feeling like a feather brushed up against your skin. Well, I guess that's still external but you know what I mean you have a feeling you had an image of a feather brushing up against your skin and yeah. you're like oh I wonder what that feels like yeah exactly um so it's just something that kind of comes to you but um and then there's the other side of like an external stimulus mm-hmm. and I think when people think external stimuli you know the, the main go-tos are like porn and like erotica mm-hmm. um and maybe also, like, performances, like, burlesque or strip clubs or that kind of thing. Um, uh, I would say movies and stuff as well is, like, a, oh, a totally. big one. Like, yeah. Bridgerton. There, I, like, there's Bridgerton, <laughs> but then there's also, like, a lot of, I know, especially in, like, bisexual communities, it's just, like, The Mummy or Pirates of the Caribbean was part of my bisexual awakening. The craft. Like, yes, like, there's so many... Yeah. Things where it's, like, even if it's not explicitly yeah. sexual, like, mm-hmm. you're receiving some sort of external stimuli that's making you go, oh. Gives you a tingle. My brain yeah, and other parts of my body yeah. are very excited right now. <laughs> totally, yeah. And so there's that, there's that split that I think of of, like, what's coming from internal versus, like, something external that triggers something. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the distinction between... Um, sensuality and eroticism. Yes. And so eroticism is that sort of like, I had a thought and it gave me a tingle. Mm-hmm. And then sensuality is literally like something that's based in the senses. And like, I felt something mm-hmm. with one of my senses and it gave me a tingle. Um, and so in the exercises, I kind of go through both of those. Like, um, Evian Whitney is a really awesome. Uh, I think they describe themselves as a sexual or either sexuality or sensuality doula, which I love. Ooh. And they they have an amazing podcast and um, they were a big influence. And so I have some questions like think about each of your senses and list out things that you 
enjoy experiencing with those senses and then do some journaling on um, what did it feel like in your body Mm -hmm. to think about those. Or if you have them around your house, go grab them and eat a piece of chocolate and, like, write a bit about, like, what does that feel like? Um, Or, like, list ways that you like to be touched. Or um, I borrowed some questions also from getting it about, like, think back on your own sexual history. Um, What do you, what did you like? What did you not like? Um, What are you curious about? What do you uh, want less of? That kind of thing. Um, And then also getting into, like, the erotic side of things. So, Mm -hmm. like, name a movie, book, song, poem, work of art, street sign, whatever, you know, something (laughs) that, like, made you feel a certain way, like, excited you, and what did that feel like? So it's just about looking at all these different levels of, um, like, sensing and noticing how that feels in your body um, so that you can, yeah, learn to, like, tune in. Like, I think when people talk about, like, meditation and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. it's all very similar stuff of, like, we live in a very fast-paced, like, instant gratification, like, do the thing, feel the reaction, move on, you know, get that hit of, like, And keep going, yeah. Um, And so it's just a listening on, like, a a different vibration, I guess, if you want to get woo about it. Well, and it's also, it's just noting the feeling. It's not asking you to explain it at all, because I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of the time, like, I know that largely, like, just speaking for myself, a lot of the time, if I am having trouble vocalizing a desire on something, it's because I am scared that person's going to ask me why, and Mm. I'm not going to be able to give them an answer that's adequate, because I don't don't fucking know. That's interesting. It just sounds good. (laughs) Like, how would you even, like, they're asking you to, like, psychoanalyze what you're asking? I guess yes and no, but this is also, like, I think this is something that I've picked up on just because... Like, being a sex educator, I get a lot of questions from people who are, like, asking about kinks or desires or things that they don't personally experience. Yep. It's usually, like, a why... I get it around sexual orientation a lot. It's Mm. just, like, but, like, why? Yep. Like, why do they feel the need to sleep with whatever gender? Um, Yeah. uh, With transness i get a lot of those questions as well it's like i'm not personally experiencing this so i want to understand why i'm like but you don't need to understand why uh tina horn has a really great podcast called why are people into that yes where yeah it's like which like like, it's really fun to figure out why when you're like just trying to accumulate information yeah but when you're trying to justify yourself that's Mm -hmm. terrifying and like right because you might not even know no i know most of the things that i am into sexually and not i could not tell you a concrete reason why i'm like i don't know puts dopamine in my brain why does it put dopamine in my brain i have no idea right i have no idea i mean like with burlesque this is my my example because most most burlesque people hate this and i love it whenever i perform burlesque people get upset when they have to then uncrumple all of the dollar bills that were like thrown at them and they're like just throw flat bills i love sitting on my floor deliriously tired after a show and just dumping out my bag 
full of, uh, I call them my crumblies. <laughs> nice. And I, f- like, I unroll all of them and I flatten them and I stack them and then I count them out. Mm-hmm. And something about the crumbliness and, like, uncrumbling it. Mm-hmm. My little goblin brain is just, like, make flat. <laughs> like, I don't know why. You get the <laughs> like, iron out. Like, it literally <laughs> makes, like, sometimes I'll, like, even, like, do the little thing where you, like, run it over the edge of the table. Like or yeah. Um, and I'm just like, ah. And, like, I... I love that feeling. It makes zero sense. Like, I am a, I don't really want to say that I'm, like, an order and regiment type person, but, like, I like it when things are easier. Like, I'm a work smarter, not harder type of person. So, most of the time, like, my analytical brain for how I run most of my life would be, like, throw flat dollars. A, it looks better because then you can make it rain. B, you're not mm-hmm. pelting me in the face or the butt with a really hard object. And C, now I have to sit on my floor and uncrinkle all of these things. Why? But for something in something in my brain, yeah. it's just like, but crumple. <laughs> yeah. And uncrumpling. Well, if someone, yeah. My brain immediately goes to like, well, if someone's in the back of the room, they don't want to like walk up and block people. It flies farther, whatever. Venmo me, but yeah, like, exactly. you, you know, it's, but but yeah, it's but like, yeah. So it's one of those things. Like, justify. I have is. Yeah, but like I've had people ask me, they're like, "Why?" I'm like, "I don't know." Yeah, and I will say too that like a major caveat here, I think obviously is, you know. Always interrogate your desires. If your desires involve causing harm to other people, interrogate those as well. And it doesn't mean that you have to, like, go into a shame spiral, which usually only makes things worse. Oh, yes. But, like, if you want to talk to someone about a consensual non-consent situation, like, that is your prerogative. That is between you and the people you want to do that with. But, you know, what I'm talking about here isn't the desire to harm or take advantage of or abuse people. I'm talking about desires in the context of, like, well, And, like, even with, with that, like, yes, we all should interrogate, like, whether, like, I feel like the interrogation usually involves, like, is this something that I actually want or is this something that I think that I want because I've been told that I should? Yeah. And I feel like just interrogating that part will usually mm-hmm. take care of a lot of those, like, very large conversations mm-hmm. that you just brought up with that. Like, that's, like, a, is there something bigger outside yeah. of me going on here that needs to be addressed? Yeah. Um... Or even the, you know, the why part. I mean, self-reflection is always a very powerful practice, you mm-hmm. know? Some yes. of us pay other people to hold us accountable to doing that self-reflection. It's called therapy. Um, well, and <laughs> asking, your, asking yourself why is very different than having another person ask you why as exactly. well. Exactly. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that can also just be a process of, like, maybe, you know, what's underneath this ask? Like, do I want to, like sit on someone's face because I enjoy the actual action of that? Or is there something about that that gives me a sense of power that I can explore in other ways? Like, trying to, like, put that mm-hmm. into the words can be helpful as well. Yeah, if Just you... understanding what is it about it that makes you feel good. Yes, but sometimes the why is, I don't know. Exactly. Dopamine and brain. 
Yeah. Like, and then... Yeah. If you can figure out the, okay, like, is there a specific part about that that gives you dopamine and brain? Like, for me, it's the uncrumpling. Yeah. If I really just want to uncrumple things, I can crumple my own goddamn dollars. It's true. And then uncrumple them. Over and over again. Forever. Forever. Endless crumblies. (laughs) But also, it's, like, one of those things that we're, like, for me, that's not really what it is. It's, like, just giving me time to, like, sit and ruminate over, like, oh, my God. I just had all of these thrown at me. Yeah. Like, so, like, yeah, no, that wouldn't give me the same, like, yeah. just sitting there and crumpling and uncrumpling the right. same dollar over and over again wouldn't do the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't make, make brain go spark, spark. So, the lights like, go off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, asking yourself why, very important. Having other people ask you why, terrifying. Yeah, and it also depends on the person. Like, I think another underlying part here, Mm -hmm. right, is, like, how do you understand, how do you establish um, trust with other people? Um, I would say, you know, maybe don't fuck people who are not also interrogating their whives. Like, one of the things I was... um, Interrogating feels like the wrong word. I'm just going to say that because that's investigating. I don't like Exploring. militaristic language. Yes. Have a conversation with your desires. Um, but I was, you know, I was kind of doing some mapping out of like what are different somatic practices that could work for people with different relationships to power and privilege, you know, because I think that's the other thing that's interesting about where we're at in terms of the. Um, the conversations around consent is like, I feel like so much of the um, anti-rape culture in like the 90s, for example, was like, well, don't dress like a slut so you don't get raped. And it's like, okay, not helpful, actually, actively damaging. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. You're like, congratulations. Now we have a new problem on top of the one that we already have. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we, I feel like for the most part we've moved on, although obviously like slut shaming is still very much a thing and all of that. But now we've moved into the like, hey, maybe instead of like putting all this money into making uh, nail polish that like you could put in your drink to detect if there's deep rape drugs, yeah. <laughs> maybe we can actually teach people how to not rape other people. Yeah. Wild, wild idea. Um, but even with that, I feel like because of, like, sexual scripting and so much of this, like, this is how you're supposed to act, boys will be boys, all that kind of stuff, I feel like people in, you know, the more dominant roles in, like, like, men in heterosexual relationships or, you know, whatever, um, power play you want to, you want to look at, um, like, they need to be reconnected with their bodies as well because mm-hmm. they're all we're all bought into the same scripts. We all need that investigation. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about like, yeah, these things could be helpful as well because it's like, oh well, why do you only date submissive women? Question mark. Like maybe look at that. Yeah. Like, what is that doing? And you know, again, it's there's nothing wrong with liking that, but if you're doing it just because it's what you feel like society has told you you should want, like, A, you're you're probably causing some other kinds of harm that you're not aware of Mm -hmm. in your relationships. Very possible. And B, I feel like you're cutting yourself off from, like, learning other things about yourself and trying other new things. And 
Yeah. That just makes me sad. Well, and that, like, circles back to the conversation that we had at the beginning of just, like, even the people who are benefiting most from these limited structures are, they're still being limited and hurt by it. Yeah. It's just in much less, uh immediately obvious way <laughs> yes um so like yeah like a lot of like men who feel like they need to be dominant in order to be considered manly when like there are house husbands now who will like get shit on tiktok for mm-hmm. being house husbands and they're like but i'm doing the domestic labor yeah like i'm i'm yeah. contributing to this relationship and they're like no you're not you're not bringing home the bacon and you're like is that really all that like are those the two yardsticks that you have to measure what being a man is like it's so much more complex of a situation and like yeah it's not like what if you like cleaning what if you like staying home and taking care of the baby like what if you don't want to go work a nine to five in a business suit like it's there's so many things that like all of a sudden you find that you're living a life that you were told was going to make you happy, and then you get there and you're like, wait a minute. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and, yeah. You, and in those situations, um, like, not even about, like, life stuff, but, like, kind of bringing it back to, like, you know, sexuality. Like, I don't know. I feel like at some point no one really likes feeling like they're just on this train track that they were put on that they're just kind of carrying it out. I mean, I know this is a level of self-awareness that not everyone necessarily even wants for themselves or whatever, but like, you're going to have better sex if both people are like, I would like to get off this train, please. Let's go run into the forest and like forge our own path together. And isn't that what sex should be about is like connection and like, really seeing each other and not just seeing that person as this, like, fantasy, you know, that was, like, spoon-fed to you. Yeah. Well, and I think that there are, like, you said that people don't like being on this, like, single train track. I think that there are some people who think that they like being on that because then they don't need to make decisions Mm -hmm. because they're scared to make decisions because... In fairness, making decisions can be scary when it comes to, like, whether or not you're actually going to enjoy it. Whereas, yeah. like, if you're on a train track, you know what to expect. And even if you don't enjoy it, it's like the devil you know. Yeah. You're like, well, I know what this is. So it can be really <laughs> scary, but at the same time, like, when you don't know what exists outside of that track, how are you supposed to be able to make an informed decision about whether or not that's what you want? Right. Unless you're listening to your body exactly and you're like oh this i watched bridgerton with my partner and i didn't think i'd be into this but i'm really into this like billowy open shirt feeling yeah that looks nice mm-hmm. i think i'm gonna go buy one at the costume store and do some bridgerton role play later yeah for example definitely Perfect. not a fantasy i've had in my life. I'm sorry, I have a lot of Princess Bride fantasies that also include open flowy shirts. <laughs> billowing. Lots of billowing shirts. Yes. Lots. <laughs> oh dear. But, um, so, like, all of these are learned skills, um, with somatics and listening to your body and uh, even recognize when your body is telling you something um, to begin with. Uh, so, what 
if you have any like nuggets of wisdom that you wish somebody had told you when you were starting this journey, because like people are going to hit hiccups. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any like little nuggets of wisdom to share to, to help people for when they hit those hurdles? Yeah. So I think a few of the nuggets that I wish someone had told me are, um, the first nugget is that, yeah, you can find inspiration pretty much anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's not just porn. I mean, the porn world has, has expanded a lot. There's a lot of, a lot of different types of porn now, but it's not just porn. I know porn, like visual stimulation can be overwhelming for other people, Mm -hmm. um, or for, for people, myself included. Um, so, um, one of the things that I really love is, um, there's this app called Dipsy. You know about Dipsy? I follow them on TikTok. Oh, they're great on TikTok. (laughs) Uh, and Dipsy is an audio erotica app and I've been, there's, they're a startup and I've been following them since they started and it's just, they've exploded. They have Mm -hmm. so much content and it's, um, like a subscription based service and it's basically like all of these stories, they can either be in the third person or some of them are in the second person where it's like someone talking to you. They have a wide diversity of genders, races, ages, um, accents, nationalities, like, you know, yeah, all these different voices, all these situations, all different levels of like they have like a little fire symbol to indicate like how steamy something is. Oh. So it could be something really soft core, like you're just going for a walk and holding hands and like that's oh, so really like nice. the or Pride something. and Prejudice like yeah. pining and yearning type of erotica. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I, Some of that. I hate to tell everybody who's thinking, oh, I don't consume any porn or erotica at all. If you like Pride and Prejudice, you are consuming erotica. I hate to tell you. <laughs> yeah, anything, you there's know. There's so much. There's so much. Yes. You know, all the way through, you know, like, full-on, like, you know, rope-tied gangbangs and, and yeah. whatever. All the it gets things. very elaborate. Or they have some where it's like they have a whole series now that's like um, bedtime stories where it's basically like, the sound of waves crashing and someone sitting next to you, like playing with your hair while you fall asleep, or like oh my playing God. a light Spanish guitar in the background, or all this kind of it's stuff. Like it's like dream ends to a date. Yeah, like, like, yeah, oh, exactly. My lover up strumming the guitar next to a crackling speak. fire or whatever. So anyway, I digress. But I wish that existed when I was younger. Um, I don't think I would have like needed to date people. <laughs> When I was younger, I think that would have just done it for me. That's, oh. <laughs> um, or at least you would have yeah. known what you wanted to ask yeah. people. Yeah, I learned about my, like, um, my interest in, like, sexy professor dynamics. Like, I, I like I like both sides of it. I like being the sexy professor, and I like being the, the, the like, naive student. I like all of the different variations of that. And yes. I learned that from Dipsy. So that's a good one. And then another... Nugget of wisdom that I would share is um, the power of resilience um, when putting yourself out there um, with desire, and that it is a uh, it is a muscle mm-hmm. that you have to you have to practice. So it is really scary, but the more you do it, you know, like riding a bike, um, the more you get comfortable with you know 
people saying no or feeling like, you know, like we were saying, like your mind changed and you mm-hmm. need to adjust or you you offered something and then you decided you didn't like it at all or um, all of that kind of stuff. Because I think, you know, again, one of the most harmful parts of rape culture is the entitlement of mm-hmm. like, I want this and I'm blinded by it. And I feel like I had so many experiences of people having that attitude towards my body that when I was like in college and into my early 20s, my concept of sexual empowerment was to then go do that to other people and be like, I like you and I'm going to do whatever it takes to like get you in bed and that sort of entitlement to people's bodies. Um, I think that's a fairly common thing to happen when, um, especially individuals who were socialized to with the intent to grow up to be women yeah uh we run into it when we do get our empowerment yeah just flip it on other people it's just like oh well i'm the one who gets to do this now because that's what our concept of being in power Mm -hmm. is yep and it takes us a while if at all to realize that like that's not what confidence and power and embodiment and being like strong Mm -hmm. needs to look like (laughs) yeah or to be like proud of myself for being emotionally detached or ghosting on people Mm -hmm. or just like being an asshole basically but like that was my concept of empowerment was being a jerk because the people who were empowered were jerks. Yeah. Before that was how I claimed my empowerment. And now I'm like, okay, well, sorry uh, to anyone who listens to this podcast who I might have ghosted in the past. Uh, it's my repentance moment, I guess. Atonement. <laughs> you keep learning. But yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, uh, yeah, that it is a muscle both, um, you know, learn unlearning that that dynamic and also owning yeah that it is a vulnerable thing and it does mm-hmm. get better the more you um the more you practice um and uh one of the frameworks that i really liked that my friend theo was telling me about was um the wheel of consent mm-hmm. um oh my god betty martin is that that sounds that right, right. Um, and the wheel of consent, I don't know, you can probably explain it oh, better you, than I can. Oh, it's been so, I've been given so many frameworks for consent that they all get yeah, jumbled Betty up Martin. in my brain. But yeah, the wheel of consent is the one where you basically practice saying like, I want you to do this to me and I want to do this to you. And then you have the other person respond mm-hmm. and then you switch places and whatever. And actually, like one of the things I learned from that is that asking for what you want um in all aspects of your life, whether it's a raise at work or wanting to, like, go out with your friends on a night that you would usually spend with your at home with your partner or mm-hmm. whatever, the more you learn to practice this in all aspects of your life, the more it becomes not so much of a loaded thing in yeah. any of them. But we're just not really socialized to want anything. Yeah. Our wants are inconvenient for other people. So We're supposed to be chill. Just go be with chill. the flow. Just yeah, be agreeable. 
Agreeable. Oh, <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> I know, it felt really gross coming out of my mouth. Go, uh, going along with that, like, I, I'm sure you would agree that this goes along with it, but, like, also the idea that being uncomfortable does not inherently mean that whatever's happening is bad. Mm, mm-hmm. It just means that you need to check in. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable about asking something, that does not mean that you're doing a bad thing. Yep. It's literally, it, it's a, it's a, it's a check engine light. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a, Hey, there's something going on here and it might just be my resiliency muscle. Isn't that strong yet? Yeah. I haven't gotten used to asking these questions. Yeah, totally. And I think there's some really great conversations around, um, being, okay with discomfort when it comes to like white people learning about their Mm. internalized white supremacy or or people of all different races because we all have a different relationship to white supremacy and how we've internalized it but there's so much of this like well I don't want to talk about race because it makes me uncomfortable because oh I don't know maybe that would mean that I'm admitting that I am not Mm -hmm. I haven't escaped this system of oppression um and so a lot of times with that um, yeah, owning that discomfort is acknowledging that you're, you know, you're complicit in those systems, and that's a, in a lot of cases, a first step to understanding how to dismantle them. Yes, it is. So. And, like, you see that in a lot of discussions about a lot of different power dynamics, especially if they are, like, systemic ones that are built into the society that we live in. So you see that around conversations of, like, men needing to lean into their discomfort over, like, the Me Too movements. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, why are you having the knee-jerk reaction of not all men? Like, can we can we lean into that a little bit? You see it with um, talks about non-monogamy as well, and it's like, if you're feeling uncomfortable, like, lean into that discomfort. Why are you feeling uncomfortable? Is it because some internalized things about being monogamous that society has said like there it, there's so many like when it yeah. comes to things that are culturally accepted either explicitly or implicitly yeah um that are being challenged in us because we've been holding on to that for dear fucking life <laughs> yeah and they've you know in a lot of cases like benefited yeah in a people. lot of cases benefited from yeah and you know to admit that you've benefited from something that you didn't earn is a very like scary scary thing until you realize that you can take those benefits and use them to amplify the voices of other people yeah. and get out of their fucking way. Well, especially <laughs> since usually the you're benefiting from a thing that has actively hurt yeah. somebody else right. as well, like having to yeah, then take that and then channel it into a way to like actually make amends. Yeah. <laughs> like do some reparations. Yeah. Like it's it's scary, but and it's uncomfortable. Like nobody, nobody's arguing that these conversations are easy. Yeah, ever. Like, even just going back to just somatics. Like these aren't always going to be easy conversations. It's not always going to be rainbows and daisies having <laughs> conversations with people when you're trying to express your desires. Sometimes, like desires will trigger trauma in other people that you didn't intend to. Yep. Because you didn't realize that that's a trauma spot for somebody. And, like, these things happen. And, yeah, it's like, you're going to hit roadblocks. Yeah. But the alternative is, yeah, 
that, you know, there's, I mean, there, yeah, I have some really great, I have a lot of great quotes in this zine. Um, and there's a bunch from Audre Lorde. Of course. Of course. Um, she wrote a really, she's written a lot of really great stuff. Um, but particularly her essay, Uses of the Erotic, gets quoted a lot in the zine. Can I read this quote? Yes, a little long. do it. This might be a good kind of eloquent way to wrap up some of the things <laughs> we've been saying. When we begin to live from within outward, in touch with the power of the erotic within ourselves, and here she's not just talking about erotic, like eroticism, she's saying like your sexual agency and power. Yes. And allowing that power to inform and illuminate our actions upon the world around us, then we begin to be responsible for ourselves in the deepest sense. For as we begin to recognize our deepest feelings, we begin to give up of necessity being satisfied with suffering and self-negotiation, or sorry, and self-negation, and with the numbness, which so often seems like their only alternative in our society. Our acts against oppression become integral to self, motivated and empowered from within. Ooh. Yes, that does sum it up really nicely. Yeah. Um, I love it when somebody has provided something so eloquent. Yes. Yeah. That whole essay is just such gold. And um, I think I had learned of it in college, but I was reminded of that essay and a lot of other works of um, by Audre Lorde from Adrienne Marie Brown and her book Pleasure Activism, which was also a big inspiration for this scene and um, would highly recommend cool. checking that out yes. as well. Okay, so I do have one last question for you, and it actually has nothing to do with your zine. It's just, it's a requirement because this is this podcast. Okay. And we've already been talking for a while, so you don't need to go, like, super in-depth. But we need to know, um, what type of sex ed did you get when you were growing up, and how do you think it has impacted you in your adult sexuality? So, is this just official sex ed? Um, official or, like, however you got it. I know a lot of people didn't necessarily get, like, a talk, or they might not have had a class. Some people got it from parents, some people got it from friends, older siblings, media. Um, Right. Basically, wherever you got your information that stuck with you most prevalently when you were younger. Okay, so... Things I remember about sex ed when I was younger were... Uh, the sex ed I had in school, which if I remember correctly, was pretty much only about how to avoid pregnancy and contracting STDs. Um, so usually fairly standard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that was helpful for some things, but left a lot of questions in my mind. Um, and then the other, yeah, cultural influences, let's see, um, sneaking downstairs to watch Undressed on MTV <laughs> late at night with the volume turned almost inaudibly low. Um, learned a lot there. And probably the Rocky Horror Picture Show had a, some oh, kind of influence. Wow. And just being a theater kid. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> In as, as also a theater kid. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so those were the main things that stick out as, as main influences. Um, and how have they contributed to my sexuality as an adult? Or how you interact with your sexuality as how an adult. How I interact with my sexuality. Um... Well, I think, I think growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area was a big privilege in that I was exposed to a lot of weird shit. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my family's, like, pretty traditional and we didn't really talk about sex but I, at least I don't. I don't feel like I was shamed very much. It was just a lot of. It's just we don't talk about no no information. Sex was Bruno, and we don't talk about Bruno. Oh, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> um, so in that sense, I'm I'm grateful because I think that that has that has led me to having a very open mind mm-hmm. about my sexuality and the sexuality of others, um, and not jumping immediately to judgment. Um, also growing up Jewish, I just remember hearing in like youth group, people were always like flaunting the phrase that sex was a double mitzvah. (laughs) Uh, I think the two parts were, Oh, it was double mitzvah on Shabbat because like, you know, you're supposed to like rest and do like pleasurable things. And with the assumption that you were having sex to make babies, that's also a mitzvah. Well. Conception is a mitzvah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was like somehow backhandedly, you know, um, seen as a good thing. So that was good. Um, so I think, yeah, I think those are, those are the main, main things that stick out to me as to why I feel like pretty open. It, it there wasn't much shame filtered in, so it was more room for curiosity once you were able to explore it, rather yeah. than having value placements on things. Already. Yeah, I think so. A lot of shame and guilt around plenty of other things in my life. Um, I mean, they gotta yeah. fuck us up somehow. Like, is it <laughs> yeah. I mean, there has to. Like I said, I'm I'm Jewish, so no. No lack of other things. Um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think sex was, you know, sort of one of, one of the big things that was just kind of, I was, I'm always just so curious. I think also I'm just curious about people mm-hmm. and sex is, um, one of those things that teaches you a lot about how people work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always just felt drawn towards it for that reason. So... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you might be one of the first people who's come on here who hasn't had, who, like, specifically has said that there wasn't shame around it. Um, from somewhere. Like, I've had several people come on and be like, oh, like, my parents didn't shame it, or, like, my school wasn't particularly shamey, but, like, there was slut-shaming at school, and, like, there was, Mm. like, always something that, like, contributed... I mean, yeah, there definitely have 
been. I mean, I actually was slut shamed by some of my closest friends. Um, it's an inf- that's an unfortunate thing that we share. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's it was rough. wild. I feel like I my my closest friends in high school were like the only theater kids who uh, were. I I don't even know what the language is because like it, it's not that they were prudes because that's. That has a negative. That has a value statement on it as they, well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just. Um, they were not sexually active. They were not sexually active, but they were also very shamey of my sexual activity, um, and smoking weed and other things. So yeah. Just like all, I was the bad girl. I had so. a similar experience that like some of my closest friends like were some of the first slut shamers that I ever experienced when I started being sexually active. Um, and it's really fun because I had like a weird theater situation because I grew up in a very religious mm-hmm. town and like the, our school was mostly Christian and Mormon. Mm. So it wasn't, like, the typical, like, all of the theater kids are fucking each other type of, mm-hmm. like, like that you see, the trope that you see in right. movies. That's not what it was. Um, everybody was very open and, like, just wanting to, like, everybody felt that they could be themselves in theater. Like, that's the, that part of theater was <laughs> true to the trope, but, like, none of the sexual activity that you see in movies. So mm-hmm. I was, like, one of the only ones. Um... So it was interesting. Yeah. I think also, now I'm really, like, digging into things. Um, (laughs) I think one of the things that was also sort of a double-edged sword was that I, like, I grew boobs really early on. Like, I was, like, not even wearing a training bra. Like, wearing a bra bra, like, in fifth grade. And so I feel like my sexuality was sort of, like, thrust upon me even before... I consciously, like, was even interested in sex because Mm -hmm. it was like, well, you have boobs, so therefore you are a sexual object, so therefore you are a slut. Ergo. You know what I mean? Like, it was just all kind of handed to me, and so I think from a pretty young age, I was going through this process of, like, okay, well... Hello, sexuality, like, whatever the fuck you are. Nice to meet you. I didn't ask for this. Yeah, but you're here now, and I don't have a choice in whether you exist or not. You are just, you know, something that is put on my body. So I guess I have to figure out how I'm going to coexist with you. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, then it kind of precipitated from there, but it was like... I just kind of had to figure out how I was going to embrace it, whether it was, you know, like I talked about this in my zine, like the, it, I felt like the first phase of me um, understanding my sexuality was through this lens of like desirability mm-hmm. of like, well, what do you need to do to be desired? Because that's what your sexuality is, is like how other people see you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of where it started. And then as it kind of like, built on from there it was like oh well I guess this is in a way building empathy for like um for myself and for being open to -hmm. whatever the world has to offer me because it is going to be offering things to me um 
and then also for the things other people want because it's just everywhere yeah so, so yeah complicated it's all very complicated it always is i don't think yeah. there's ever like a simple straightforward like this i got this so this yeah it's never that simple nope ever especially when it's comes to individuals that like often like you said have different uh amounts of sexuality thrust upon them due to things that are outside of their control when you said that i got an image of like you just like poking your boobs with a stick like they're a mystical creature that you just found in the forest <laughs> other people like, have you? done that what are my you <laughs> and i've probably done it to myself too just like sitting there putting like hey <laughs> but like what even are you though what are you oh. uh well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me on that note I was like, I feel if we don't wrap it up, we're just going to keep talking about squishing boobs for, like, ten minutes. (laughs) We're smart. It's a fun activity. It is. It is. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that, like, sometimes when I'm stressed, I just, like, sit and hold my boobs. Like, I'll just be sitting on the couch holding my boobs. And somebody will come in and be like, what are you doing? I'm, like, calming myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm regulating my nervous system. Leave me alone. Yes so important exactly but yes it's great having you on and uh the zine is amazing and i just yeah yeah everybody should thanks for having me absolutely and uh to everybody who tuned in to listen thank you very much and be sure to check out the spark fire zine at sparkfirezine.com there will be a link in the event description event description episode description and just go check out everything that like has to offer there and yeah do it check it out Remember that the Patreon is there. If you want to join for as low as $5 a month, you get early access and ad-free access to the episodes so you don't listen need to listen to the one singular ad I have attached. Congratulations, you saved 45 seconds. But, um, yeah, uh, check it out at patreon.com slash uncensoredpod and tune in next time and I'll talk dirty to you. Bye.